The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Welcome to this special Halloween bonus episode and a kinda sorta sneak peek into what season 4 of the I Wanna Believe podcast will sound like. I'm Nomar Slavic. Halloween month is upon us and can I just say besides my new book coming out and being able to pet cats on a daily basis, this is probably my favorite part of 2020 so far and y'all know this year has been a bear but we're not here for that. This is escapism and I'm fully embracing it because my anxiety and depression sorely need it. But first, a quick reminder that all of our I Wanna Believe social media and email are in the show notes. My brand new book, Granite Skies, is now available for purchase at the Greenhand Bookshop in Portland, Maine. You can also get it on Amazon, Kindle, or a personalized signed copy can be obtained from my online store. Everything can be found at allmylinks.com slash slevic or just click the link from the show notes. All right, enough of all that. Let's get into the town of Millinocket, Maine, a young couple in the legend of the Screaming Bridge. Out in the wide open farmland, a haunting tale. There used to be a mill here, a store that uh, I have grown up with, uh, says that at midnight, you'll be able to hear screaming at this bridge. Yes, you could hear screams. The story behind how this so-called screaming bridge got its name varies a little depending on exactly who you talk to, but no matter what version of the story you believe, they all seem to circle back to the same haunting conclusion. Halloween night was always the best night. From the Millinocket.org website, quote, Millinocket has something special for you. Big recreation, big woods, big community, big history. All here in our small frontier town on the edge of Maine's vast forest. Millinocket is the gateway to Mount Katahdin, voted world's best hike by National Geographic, and it is home to the northern terminus of the Appalachian Trail. 
Millinocket is the gateway to the famed Golden Road, the North Main Woods, the West Branch of the Penobscot River, the Allagash Wilderness Waterway, Baxter State Park, and a vast network of lakes, trail systems, day hikes, and four-season recreational opportunities. Wow, that's a lot. And I gotta say, it's probably all true. Millinocket is a gorgeous area. I'm quite familiar, and my father is actually from there. What the website does not mention is a small section of asphalt and bridge located on Route 11 called Brownville Road. Legend says that a fateful night around the 1940s or 50s changed the history of that location forever. But before we get into all that, let's look back at a bit of history of the town itself. Millinocket is an Abenaki Native American word that means the land of many islands, and for 10,000 years Millinocket was inhabited solely by Native Americans. Settlers arrived in 1829 who cleared land, built cabins and farms along the west branch of the Penobscot River, and then by 1837 more settlers arrived. When author Henry David Thoreau arrived in 1846, he hired locals to be his guides on a trip to Mount Katahdin. Later, Thoreau would write about the area in the book titled The Maine Woods. The area began to grow in 1894 when the Bangor and Aroostook Railroad finished its line to Holton, providing rail service to the area. Millinocket's remote forest location made the town an ideal place for the Great Northern Paper Company to locate their mill. Construction began in 1899 and was built by hundreds of Italian immigrant stonemasons and laborers. Of Millinocket's 1,002 residents, 432 were natives of Italy. Immigrants from Poland, Finland, Lithuania, and Hungary also arrived to work as laborers to help complete the mill. French Canadians came from along Maine's northern border to work in the woods as well as the mill. Soon, people were pouring in from all over the globe to build the town and to work at the mill. The region grew so quickly that the small township was dubbed the Magic City. The Great Northern Paper Company grew to be the largest mill in the world, harnessing the water of the west branch of the Penobscot River. Power was generated to drive the mill and turn out paper, which was exported throughout the world. The mill operated 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, churning out newsprint at the rate of 240 tons per day. Throughout the 20th century, the community prospered and the town had become self-sufficient. It is said that even during the Great Depression, no one at the mill lost their jobs. Although the workers reduced their hours, they were all able to support their families during that time. After World War II, there was a housing boom, and in the early 1950s, Millinocket finally built a hospital. There was a time when a young person could graduate Stearns High School and start work at the Great Northern Paper the very next day. In fact, that is exactly what my father did. Also around the time of the housing boom was when that young couple I mentioned earlier were driving down Route 11 one evening, thus beginning a legend. 
It is no secret that Maine is home to scary stories and terrifying tales about creatures in the woods and lights in the sky, but when it comes to ghosts, the stories far outweigh any type of paranormal phenomena. We have ghosts that occupy old lighthouses, wooded areas, homes too many to count, and of course, roads. From the newspaper of the University of Maine at Presque Isle, the University Times wrote, quote, On their way back from their honeymoon, a young couple were driving down Brownville Road in Millinocket, Maine. The couple's car swerved off the road for unknown reasons and crashed. The husband suggested for his wife to stay in the car while he went to look for help, but upon his return, she was nowhere to be found. The husband, friends, and family, and ultimately the police could not figure out what happened to the young woman. Well, at least not until she began haunting the road and nearby bridge. To this day, Millinocket locals claim to see her while driving through the Brownville Road. A local university student said, quote, My friends told me about it. I was at a campground and they dared me to go with them. I think the myth is that the lady died and someone stole her wedding ring and she's there for revenge. Well, it's an interesting theory. The newspaper speculates, quote, So perhaps there is more to this story than some may know. There are many stories about ghosts seeking revenge, but the student's next comment indicated that the legend may not be dangerous. They said, quote, If you bring a necklace and ask her questions, she'll show up. It worked, but none of it was dangerous. I researched for more witness testimony about the apparition and found the Ghosts of New England blog. They added, quote, If you are driving down the Brownville Road, often you can see an apparition of a woman dressed in white walking down this stretch of highway either on or near the Green Bridge. Others say that she appears when the weather turns foul and there is a dense fog or mist. There was one account of a group of curiosity seekers that parked on the bridge with their lights out during a dense fog. They got a little more than they bargained for because when they turned the lights back on, the windows had fogged and the group reported that unknown handprints were all over. From 2011, another witness stated, quote, Having grown up in Millinocket, I have seen the apparition myself. I have heard of stories where she has gone as far as to walk over a car while a couple was parking near the Route 11 Green Bridge. That's creepy. From 2013, a witness reported, quote, I actually went there last night with a bunch of my friends and sat there with the lights out. I thought I saw a white shadow cross fast on the other side of the bridge where the old road is. It was so creepy yet fun. Next time around, we are going to park on the actual road where it happened and see what happens. And I wasn't the only one who had seen that light either. It was completely dark and the light popped up more than once. I recommend seeing it. In 2014, a witness wrote, I was just there tonight, and me and a friend parked there, and I kept seeing this white mist go around the car as we drove away. We also went on it more than five times tonight, and stopped and said her name, so we were calling out to her. She was there, and it was scary. And in a startling report, a woman in 2017 wrote, My husband and I saw her walking. We drove slowly by, and the next thing we knew, she was in our back seat. 
We spoke to her, asking where she lived. She replied, but her voice was hollow sounding and we couldn't understand her. Just then we came upon a small diner and pulled in, only to find out that she had disappeared. When we entered the diner, everyone stopped talking. The man at the counter said, you've seen the lady in white, haven't you? Well, we told him what happened, and he said almost everyone in the diner has had his or her story about seeing the lady in white. This is a true story, believe it or not. The University Times added, another local from Millinocket, Megan, has heard stories of the Screaming Bridge but has not had any personal experiences. But Megan did have some insight on the bridge where the story takes place. She said, it is a dangerous bridge and there's always a lot of those bigger trucks on the dirt roads. It's not the best road condition there and there's always accidents with wildlife and people speeding. Perhaps whatever reportedly haunts the bridge was killed by one of those speeders. Their life cut short and vengeance is sought. Now, for me and after all that's been said here, I'd like to know why it's called the Screaming Bridge, especially with none of the reports claiming any sort of scream. In researching the term, I found that there is not one definitive theory or reason for calling a haunted bridge a screaming bridge. It may be a subgenre of the crying bridge phenomenon, which typically involves the death of a child or an infant that happened near a bridge or a watery area, and their cries haunt that area. There are some other notable screaming bridges around the United States, one in Ohio and one in Texas. Now, there is a second theory to the moniker of screaming bridge, and that would involve the sound of screeching car tires. Now, this usually occurs when somebody slams on their brakes when they're confronted by an apparition. And that's why some people might call a bridge a screaming bridge. That second theory does kind of make sense, but what we're left with is simply eyewitness testimony and no proof. So really what it comes to is what you believe. I think I'd like to go to the area and try to test it out myself. And with it being around that scary time of season, I think I might do just that. That brings us to the close of this Screaming Bridge subject. Although I think I'd like to end this episode with my own personal story of when I spotted something strange on the roads of Maine. My encounter happened on February 10 of 2020. It was approximately 5.54 PM and I was in Ellsworth, Maine. I was driving on the Bayside Road, traveling at 44 miles per hour, my cruise control was on, and I was approximately two miles from the Trenton Town Line. As I drove, I witnessed a five to six foot tall, lanky creature on the left side of the road. It was all black. In fact, it was so dark and shiny that it seemed like it could have been covered in a shiny black substance, resembling oil or tar or something. It glistened when my headlights shone on it. At about 100 yards away, I watched as this creature stepped into the woods and out of sight. I screeched to a stop at the area in which I thought I saw the creature step into. I rolled down the window and I looked into the woods. I was hoping to see a person or at least hear obvious walking in the woods. Unfortunately, I saw and heard nothing. 
I could then smell a foul odor like rotting eggs and it filled my car. It actually ended up staying with me for a couple of miles while I continued home. And the entire sighting only lasted two or three seconds. I've had a lot of different kinds of encounters over the years, so while this was a bit unsettling, it really is just another addition to interesting experiences. Now, I've had no other sightings, but a bit of research uncovered a UFO sighting close to the area in 1995. But my father had an encounter about two years prior and a few miles away on the same road. My father's story began on a Sunday morning, July 22, 2018 to be exact. At around 4.30 a.m., my father was taking a walk with my mother down Bayside Road. They were heading towards Ellsworth, and they're obviously early risers. <laughs> As they were walking by a house close to the road, my father noticed something large and white from his peripheral vision. He turned to look at what it might be and said that he saw a tall, all-white figure with no legs and no discernible head. He said he saw it briefly and that it glided behind a shed that was on the property. He estimated the height of the shed to be 9 or 10 feet and explained that the figure was as tall as the shed. It's crazy. This all happened within about 10 seconds or so. He did try to get my mother's attention, but the apparition was gone before she could see it. My father said he then shined his flashlight in the area of the shed and saw nothing further there, but when he looked at the house, he saw a black shadowy figure go by a window and thought that the figure was inside of the house as opposed to outside. He said it did not look humanoid, so he didn't think it was a person, but the only way he could describe it was black and shadowy. He's a pretty big skeptic, but at the time, he said to my mother, I have to tell my son about this. I don't believe in ghosts, but this was weird. And that, my friends, concludes this Halloween special. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Nomar Slavic. Classical WETA 90.9 FM. Available to stream now at classicalweta.org or on the Classical WETA app. I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers.